Blog Talk Radio.
So I can definitely see an interface between uh, the movies and the way that games are being played now where it's an individual action figure and our desire, especially in 3D movies, to want to actually feel like we're in it, like we're a part of it, like we're a part of the movie. And the technology for that is going to get a lot more advanced. Anyway, welcome to the show. And uh, one little follow-up on the birth of the... Um, on the birth of the uh, Prince George child um, uh, from that show I had done two weeks ago, I thought that it was interesting that she gave birth to a boy. I also thought that it was interesting that she did give birth to a boy with Moon and Capricorn, since she's a Capricorn. And um, I had said on that show that I thought that it was customary. It was whole two weeks ago, and um, and it was... Um, that was around the time when it was the expected due day, it was the 11th, and, and or somewhere 11, 12. And, um, and I thought at that time, like, wow, you know, Capricorn's a long way away. But, uh, but this little baby definitely did it, and, and just in case anyone's curious, he did not wait until the sun went into Leo. He was shy by a half hour. So he uh, ends up with uh, sun and cancer, uh, with a couple of other planets in Cancer, um, um, Mercury, Mars, and Jupiter. So very Cancerian chart, uh, nurturing and um, and sympathetic and kind with a grand trine in water. And, um, you know, we'll see how he develops. We'll all obviously have an opportunity to do that uh, compared to possibly for a lot of listeners may not remember uh, let's say like William or might not have been interested at that time. So as we become older, we view things in a different way. Maybe we've become parents. Maybe we're more interested in, in children and child development. So if we didn't pay attention to Prince Charles growing up, if we're not that old, or if, in fact his son, Prince William, then maybe this baby will interest us to see developmentally what he goes through. And since he's a public figure, we can follow along with his chart. So let's jump over to the Global Energy Minute and take a look there at uh, what we've got going on for this week. The sun is in Leo. Welcome, Leo. That's a refreshing change, I think, from having so much energy in water and the sun in water. Uh, however, the show that I did last week uh, about, uh, you know, no planets in air still um, is pertinent today. So even though we did since last week have the moon in Aquarius, and I explained the only thing now um, for a while that is going to uh, put the, until Venus goes into Libra, the only thing that's going to um, bring any air into the chart is going to be the moon as it transits an air sign about every seven days. So right now we're back in water, Pisces, and so we have um, two, five, six, um, six planets in water, two in earth, and two in fire, and it's none in air. And so, again, we have a chart of uh, difficult communications or communications that are not exactly clear, difficult setting boundaries, but a greater emotional and practical uh, aspect, greater grounding. And with the moon, uh, with the sun in uh, Leo, uh, we, we get that, that, that fire energy where we feel like we can... Uh, go out, be be somewhere, do something, you know, go to the beach. The the create the creative element gets taken up a notch. So when we had the sun in cancer, 
It was a very homey, domestic, homebound. Now with the sun in Leo, there's a desire for creativity. There's a desire for putting ourselves out there, for experiencing the world and its feedback upon us. I think cancer energy is a lot more wanting to just stay at home and chill. And this Leo energy is the movement of the sun from the bottom of the chart towards the top. And um, Leo is that first place, I think, where we actually, when we're children, leave home and um, go to school, let's say. So that, that transition from Cancer to Leo in, in the development of our, of our lives is the time when we go to school, when we're, when we're out of the, the tight family unit, which is the first four houses, uh, the development of language and the development of our emotions, which we're going to talk about tonight, the fourth house. But the sun in Leo tonight gives us a chance to at least say, well, you know, there's a part of us that would like to go out and be a part of the world and introduce ourselves to the world. And that's the Leo energy. So the sun's not quite in a trine yet with Uranus, and it is square to Saturn. So for at least a couple of days, two or three days this week, it could feel like energy is not so easy to, you know, get out of us or, you know, the, the, the Saturn sun square is more of a low, a low energy. Uh, if you can focus your energy this week, that would be really fine. And then next week you'll probably see more of the traditional Leo energy able to manifest because it won't be in such difficult aspects to Saturn. Mars and Jupiter and Cancer I'm going to talk about tonight. It's a conjunction, I think, of an action, an expansion of compassion. Um, not sure whether I've seen a whole lot of that in the news, but, um, but I'll be looking for it because Mars is kind of going fairly slow and will stay in a reasonable conjunction to Jupiter for probably another week almost. And um, Venus has gone into Virgo since the last time we talked, which is nice. Um, you know, Venus Venus is, um, rules Libra, and Libra is the scales, and because it rules justice in a way. And you see, the scales are held in the hand of Virgo. So I, I see Venus in, in Virgo as the, the potential for the analysis, for a loving analysis, for a loving, a loving look at something. Because Virgo is um, traditionally not unfair, you know, it, since it's connected to um, Libra in this, you know, strong astrological way, Virgo is holding the Libra scale. It's Virgo, actually, that's standing there as that sort of judge of the balance that judge of the, the fairness and the equality. And so I think Venus in Virgo, while it's not the ruler, um, it's also not the detriment. And um, it's, you know, not a bad place. It can be a little over-analytical in love, yes, but there's also a sort of discernment, a loving discernment. So when we're looking at it in the global energy, I can see it being fairly positive. It's also right now in this lovely sextile to Mars, Jupiter, and on the opposite side, Saturn, because it's in between, um, Virgo is the sextile between Cancer and Scorpio, so Venus is sextile right now to Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, and it's in opposition to Pisces, which is not bad either, because Venus-Neptune Venus opposition um, is also very loving and transcendent. So I think that Venus in Virgo is able to help us ground 
this grand trine in water since it's making aspects to all three water signs and um, which wouldn't happen if it was the, one of the other two earth signs necessarily and um this is a uh, just a very um positive uh feeling of grounded kind of discernible love so if we can use our uh, our vision on the world on people to help us determine where we want to be able to share our compassionate nature that could be a positive thing rather than it sort of being dissipated rather than that grand trine and water which we've all been working with now for months because it's just going on and on um it's this this beautiful brilliant ongoing grand trine and water that's that every child that's being born for probably the last six weeks and then going forward for six more weeks is going to have a grand trine in water. It's going to produce a brilliant couple of months of children with great sensitivity, including one of my good friends in New York who gave birth in the last two weeks and um, the new little uh, prince boy in England. So um, very positive, very very loving, very easygoing energy, the moon in Pisces, also for a couple of days. Then moving into Aries, we'll have more fire, so probably within the next day and a half, you'll see a, a, a bit more even like a energetic boost in the way in which we're uh, living in the world. So that's your Global Energy Minute, and I'm Dr. Craig Martin, and um, it's a call-in show. If anyone would like to call in and chat, you can call in to the guest call-in line, 213-943-3395. Right now, I don't have anybody on the switchboard, so that's fine. Um, I am always pleased to see how many people are checking in with the show. Hello to the people who are live listening and to the people who are in my chat room. Hello to you guys. Uh, it's nice to see you here. So I want to do a little, a little, um, a little show on the IC, um, which is in Latin the Imam Coli as opposed to the medium coli. Medium coli is the midheaven, which is the high point of the sky, and the imam coli, which is the low point or the bottom of the sky. So there's an interesting way of them viewing that from a, a long time ago, um, possibly years before um, they ever really knew that the earth was round, um, was that they assumed that there was an opposite side or something going on on the opposite side. And um, it, it's interesting because I, I happen to really like this point in the chart, the IC. It's the cusp of the fourth house. It represents home. It represents our childhood home. It represents parental influences. It leans towards the father. But from a purely technical point of view, no matter what time of day we're born at, all of us technically are born facing up. And if you think about wherever you are on the earth right now, right, wherever we are on the earth right now, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't matter what time of day. If we were to go outside or if we were to look up at the sky, the entire mass of the earth, the whole earth, would be behind us. So, say, the ascendant is off to the east because it's rising, and the descendant is off to the west because it's setting. So everything between house 7 and 12 is above us. And everything between house 1 and house 6 is below us. And what's below us is the earth. So I always find that if you, if you put a tangent 
you know, a tangent line on the surface of the earth where everyone is born, that's the axis between the first and the seventh house. And the earth lies behind you and represents everything that's in the bottom half of the chart in the energy of the uh, planets and the zodiac is being filtered through the earth. And so that's why it represents home. Bottom of the chart represents home. Nothing could be more about home than the earth. So I like that. I like thinking about it in terms of that nurturing and protection and warmth and safety and nourishment in particular that the earth gives to us. When we talk about uh, Native Americanism and the, and the, the direction of the south, which begins with cancer, the, the southern part of the chart is the fourth house cusp. That, that um, time of year was represented by growth and nurturing. It's the time when we planted the seeds, and now they're coming forth. It's not really yet a harvest time, but it's a maximum time of, of the potential of nourishment and the potential of uh, what it is that we're going to be able to manifest in a given year. That's what the summer represents. And in a way, the chart is a reflection of that because those years when we were in um, our family of origin home, those years steered us to a particular development prior to us getting launched out into the world, the very first sort of steps out into the world, which... I had said before, represent Leo. So the, this Cancerian time is very much a time of saying, okay, well, here we are, and now we're ready. We're ready for what? And that comes from our home and home development. So what we want to do is want to spend a little bit of time looking at the fourth house from the perspective of um, our family of origin home. So what happens there? There's a mother and a father and there's siblings or there's not siblings or there's not a mother or there's not a father. All of those things are potentially um, uh, seen in the chart uh, based on what planet might be in the fourth house. There could be older people. There might be Saturn there. Or there could be someone strict. There might be a lot of people. There could be Jupiter there. It could be very cerebral if there were Mercury there. It could be very undependable or erratic if there were Uranus there. There could be some control issue if there were Pluto there. It could be very loving if there were Venus there. It could be of extreme importance to the child if the sun was there or the moon were there. And depending upon what sign it was in would depend upon how this individual is going to relate to family and also to their family of origin. Nevertheless, even if we don't have any planets in the fourth house or near the IC, we still have a fourth house, and that fourth house is directed towards the growth of our emotional reaction to the world. We have to think about why is that emotional reaction to the world so important? Well, if you notice in the development of a baby, they're very independent at a certain point and they're, they become verbal and they know what their physical needs are and they have a certain identity, but they don't necessarily make an emotional connection until they're, you know, a little bit older. Little children don't give you hugs and kisses. They don't um, tell you that they love you, you know, until there's a certain appropriate point in the development of um, of the child. 
And that point in, of development where there's an emotional reaction to the family, especially one of love and, and nurturing and affection, children will pick up and hug their stuffed animals. They'll, they'll hug and attach to things that are even, um, you know, purely non-animate at all, like a blanket even. You know, it doesn't even have to be uh, pseudo-animate like a stuffed animal. They can, they can hug and connect. This time of our development is essential because it's the way in which we're learning to express how we feel. And all of us have that. All of us have a strong sense of the way in which we feel about things. Now, being a Scorpio myself, possibly, you know, I feel very strongly about my feelings. That was funny, but good. And um, as Scorpios do. And all the water signs do. But very few people really are probably born or out there that have no water in their chart. And so everyone is going to have some attachment to or connection with their own emotional body. And the way in which that got developed in childhood is extremely important because we move from there into all of our relationships. If we're going to go from... um, this family and the emotional lessons that we're taught. Are we allowed to express anger? Are we allowed to express love? Um, Are we allowed to express excitement? Sometimes um, parents and society, because there's a connection here, I don't want to leave that out yet, but I want to say that, you know, our family of origin experience and the emotional body is connected to our life experience after that, the way in which we're going to experience people emotionally and be able to connect with them is largely begun in this time of the the IC. So emotion, this emotional time and the way in which we're capable of expressing it is important. Some parents might feel threatened or angered by a child's anger, by a child's excitement, uh, by a child's sadness, by, you know, whatever it is that the child's experiencing. Some parents may have difficulty seeing that in the child, and I'm sure at different times in history it's been better or worse depending upon what the social norms are. You know, I was reading an article today about how parents take their children with them everywhere now and that they don't really think as much about, oh, we're going on vacation and we're leaving the baby at home with the grandparents or whoever. They just bring the baby along and it's much more common. So social norms change the way in which we react with children also. And they shift from one state of being to another over time from, you know, one uh, way of raising to another. But even within individual families, regardless of social norms, there are those that are more um, threatened or feel more uptight about different kinds of emotional expression, and it's either encouraged or it's discouraged. And we see that in the chart uh, based on planets that are in the fourth house and also aspects to the ruler of the fourth house. So, for instance, if you have Uranus as the ruler of your fourth house because you have Aquarius on the IC, then aspects to Uranus are going to be um, uh, keys to the way in which the... um, the emotional life of the home life was 
uh, instructed or the way in, way in which it was governed. And if you happen to have planets there, that's even a more you know direct and extremely clear clue as to what it was that you experienced and why it was important to you or why it wasn't or what part of your lessons you're needing to learn to overcome in order to be able to move forward uh, in life. I think that when I look at the IC in someone's chart, and we've talked a lot, I think, about the ascendant, but not as much about the, this um, this lower part of the of the chart, which I lovingly refer to as the mid hell, um, since the opposite is the mid heaven. Um, I was joking with people that if it represents home and it represents family of origin, and the top is the mid heaven, then this must be the mid hell. Um, you guys can run with that. The um, the idea here is that we have our we have a specific identity. And that's the first house, and it's reinforced emotionally in the fourth house. It's reinforced emotionally in the IC. And as we move outwardly into the world to develop relationships with other people, which is so important to all of us, right? Everyone always has these questions about who they're going to marry, who they're going to date, who they're, you know, it's on everyone's mind, most everybody. There's only a small percentage of people who are resigned to being single, and that, and that, and they live their life that way, and it's not a large percentage. Many, many, many more people are look for relationships in their life, and that's the seventh house. And then the tenth house is the way in which we bring ourselves out into the world. So here we have the point where the emotional integrity of our identity is is first encountered, is first developed. And how is that reinforced or how is that not reinforced? I always like to give, um, you know, an example of a little boy carrying a rock into the house, and he's very excited and very proud. And um, he carries this rock into the house, and the parents say to him, that's awesome, you're so strong, you're really awesome, that's terrific. You know, they give a lot of accolades and, and praise. Same age, little girl goes and picks up a rock in the garden and comes carrying it into the house, and she's also very proud and very pleased. And she gets a, an, an emotional reaction that's more along the lines of, you shouldn't be doing that. You're going to get your dress dirty. Now, it's just one example, and it's an example that I think is pertinent because, you know, uh, sex differentiation sociology, that's an entire topic about the way sociologically we uh, encourage children to develop as boys or girls. And um, I've even seen good articles about that in the news lately, about the development of toys and how toys are so sex uh, gender-oriented. Um, I thought that was fascinating. But they, but it's more than just that. It's more than just gender separation and gender identification. It has to do fully with the way in which our parents um, accepted or weren't able to accept our emotional development in uh, love 
and hugging and kissing and saying goodnight. And when we got angry, were we, you know, were we allowed to vocalize it? Were we allowed to, like, bang a fist on the floor? What were the things, what were the boundaries that our parents created? And how then was it, was it fostering an acceptance of the emotional life? Or was it creating a, um, an oppression or a suppression of of the emotional life in the individual, it's important and it's actually seen in the chart. I, um, again, want to encourage anybody who might want to get a reading to give me a call, the um, guest call in line, 213-943-3395. I'd love to talk to you and uh, would be happy to do a reading. Um, Continuing with the overall concept of the IC, the importance of it obviously can't be ignored because even though the uh, you know the ascendant is on the left and the and you know the other parts are above and to the west and to the east the the IC is the foundation it's the earth behind us it's our home it's where we can what what we considered normal amongst the people that we trusted and learned from the most it's uh it's it's the launching pad for the the um you know the journey of our lives moving out of the family and becoming individuals and it's so critical it's so critical and so critically important that i think understanding this part of the chart for each of us is is about understanding where we are in relationship to the lessons that we learned at home and how have we brought them into our home now and are we capable of changing them if we want to? And the answer to that question is yes. The answer to the question, you know, if we have issues surrounding the fourth house or home and our emotional development, is it possible for us to change them? Yes, at any age. Um, you know, introspection and, um, and and learning and looking at your chart is is essential, integral part of um, of I think what astrology is really good for. Because if we're using astrology in an astrological chart for our own personal insight, and the insight of others, if you know we're not doing it professionally as I do, um, and I also use the chart for my own personal insights as well i have for years it's probably one reason why i'm so drawn to it because i found that it, i learned so much about myself from it and um coming into the chart from this foundational spot and being able to look at it and say well what are the you know the underlying issues if you if you do a chart of someone and you see many planets let's say in the upper half of the chart okay well they have a lot of lessons about public life whether that's about the ninth tenth or eleventh whether it's about um you know friendships or their career or a spiritual life, or a search for truth, or however you want to look at the ninth house, it's still, even someone with a preponderance of planets in the top of the chart, is still subject to the way in which they were raised, which is dictated by the fourth house, and the planets there, and the fourth house cusp. It's sort of an inter- it's sort of an integration between the fourth and the tenth, but the fourth is a representation of the home and the way that it was experienced by 
the individual. So if you have Aquarius on the IC, then you experienced your home life in perhaps a friendly and generous and welcoming to friends, but perhaps the energy was a bit cold and a bit distant or a bit chaotic with Uranus as the ruler. Um, it depends upon where Uranus is in the chart. But if but if you have Leo on the IC, which would be the opposite, then the sun is your ruler. And so perhaps your father or your mother were very gracious, very large personality. Maybe your home itself was um, something to look at. Maybe people on, you know, on the street thought of your family or people in the neighborhood thought of your family in a positive Leo way. Maybe your parents were leaders in the community. Maybe they instilled some of that energy into you. Again, you would look at the sun, where the sun is in the chart to determine the way that that went well or didn't go well. Um, and then, uh, you know, what I'd like to talk about for the for a few minutes now also is about the IC and transiting planets to the IC. Um, it's very important. It always goes back to your family of origin, even if it's changing the way in which you are experiencing your present home. So pretty much no matter how old you are, if a planet crosses the, the IC, um, we experience uh, a shift in the way in which we experience our family. Uh, many times, let's say, if Pluto goes into the fourth house, I was just working with someone this morning who had Pluto right on the IC, um, there's, a, there's a, a review of the family in a way that can create that breakdown, that realization, that loss. Not necessarily that someone's parent might die, although that can happen when certainly if Pluto goes into the fourth house, but more about belief systems that we may have had or our own emotional conditioning that occurred at that time certain experiences we might become more deeply connected to them and we might begin to realize oh you know i react that way because of this that happened we might see that and then the change the change the, the letting go of an old emotional way of behaving from almost always, a review of the childhood past. So no matter what planet it is that's crossing the IC, we're going to see changes in the home, in the existing home, if we're an adult and we no longer live in the childhood home. And we're going to then see those changes in the adult home as a result of things that we experience emotionally, the changes we experience emotionally. So Saturn going across the fourth house cusp could make us much more serious about home, much more disciplined about home and home life, but it could also bring us back to a karmic place. We could also have a karmic realization about the way in which we were raised or why we were raised the way we were or some insight about how we are in our lives right now and how the um, whatever authority Saturn happens to be messing with your home right now, how that goes back to a time when you needed to learn those lessons in your own childhood. So transiting planets to the uh, the bottom of the chart are 
very important because they create change in our existing adult home, um, which can be good, right? It can be good. There can be expansion. There can be a desire to shake it up. I know that um, I had a few years ago uh, Uranus conjunct the IC, and I did move quite suddenly and um, into some place relatively um nice and comfortable and 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 pleasant good it was a good it was a good move very um happy kind of thing but then because uranus stayed in that house it wasn't necessarily in the fourth house it wasn't necessarily stable and i moved again and i've moved again a couple of more times while uranus has been in the in the fourth house Additionally, there's more a little more information there. Neptune also crossed my IC, which at the time I was hoping was going to mean um, that I was going to find an ideal living situation, and that was the time when I moved to California. And for many years, um, I have felt like that move was me moving towards... It was almost like I had a love affair... Uh, with LA, Neptune, creating kind of a rosy-colored illusion, and, um, you know, going on 10 years, and the rosy-colored illusion still lasts, so, you know, when it's love, it must be love, and while, um, you know, let's say it's just a city, there's there were things that happened also in my understanding of the family, and then also Chiron, went through my fourth house, and I had a whole more deeper understanding of family and family dynamics, uh, but was, again, able to get find myself in yet another home and um, when I turned 50 and, uh, and finding how much healing that that's creating now that Chiron is in the fourth house. None of those transits were necessarily easy, having uh, Uranus, Neptune, or Chiron in the fourth house, but all of them... Um, paved the way for the energy that they represent. Uranus took me out of a rut. It got me to see a larger, um, a larger life and a larger venue, which had to be an internal change as well. I couldn't necessarily have moved into a bigger apartment in New York at that time unless I felt um, maybe more secure emotionally, or perhaps um, it was more about the largeness of the emotions that I could share. And then, likewise, when Neptune crossed there, and I said, said I moved to L.A., it wasn't just about an ideal situation. It was about the discovery of of an, of an emotionally-based training that I may have gotten in family life that I was more in touch with, more of an emotional, empathic, and compassionate nature, as well as, um, you know, the work that I did when I came here, the spiritual work that deepened uh, after I moved here. So Neptune in the fourth house would, again, because Neptune is about is, is a very spiritual energy because it rules transcendence, it's about transcendence through the home. Sure, there are mundane things that occur along the way, like Neptune did have water damage because Neptune rules water. So there are mundane things that happen to your home. <laughs> you know, Neptune goes into the fourth house, so you get a leak in the roof, or Pluto goes through your fourth house, and... Um, something breaks, like the back staircase or something, you know. But but those are minor, really, in comparison to the overall change that 
we experience in our emotional body. And I think that's really the key to the fourth, is that even if you have an earth sign there, even if you were, even if it's Virgo on the fourth house cusp and you were encouraged then to analyze your emotions or discern your emotions or pick your emotions apart or experience your emotional life as not good enough or not perfect enough or something along those lines. I'm not saying that it would be negative to have it there. You still have an emotional body and you still have the emotional conditioning that went along with that. So um, the importance of the angles, obviously, I in, in all the work that I do and in, in the classes that I teach and in the... Um, and in the work that I do with my private clients, the angles are extremely important to me. I think that they are, are another really wonderful place to um, jump off of the reading, um, you know, if you want to read that way and read with the angles. It's another really good place. But I have a tendency, after I do my readings, the way that I like to, I always have a tendency to gravitate towards the angles, what planets are near there, when did planets transit across there, are there any planets in angular houses, and things like that. Because for me, um, that, that family of origin lesson and the way in which all of those roots were, were grounded into your life is um, the fantastic and um, sort of secretive place that we all like to be able to go to when we're doing counseling or therapy. You know, it's not usually about the first. You came in with your own identity. <laughs> you discovered that pretty much when you opened up your eyes and looked around the world, you know, and you continued to discover it as you, you know, walked through life. But the fourth house, uh, begins to come from external sources and the way in which those external individuals interacted with us and helped to create our um, our emotional life. Um, um, I got somebody on hold. Hi, it's Dr. Craig. You're on the Inside Connection. Hello. Hi, Dr. Craig. It's Pat. Hey, Pat, honey. How are you? I am well. I don't know how long you've been on hold because I was looking at the chat room, actually. Oh, oh, oh. Well, I was there a little yeah. while. I was listening to you. But, you know, um, I uh, I have Uranus in Cancer in the fourth house. Uh-huh. And, um I happen to have three planets transiting the fourth house right now. Jupiter... Jupiter is the big one that's gone through, but but Mars is there, and um, Mercury is well past the conjunction to Uranus. But I was wondering about just Uranus in Cancer there, in, in terms of everything you've been talking about, and yeah. um, and then having Jupiter, you know, having crossed the IC transiting there, yeah, kind of in the past couple of months, but it's yeah. about to conjunct Uranus. Is that the cusp of your IC Cancer? Um, it's actually, the cusp is actually Gemini. The cusp is Gemini. Okay. Um, the, um, just because I'm looking for the ruler there, I'm looking to see whether the ruler is the moon or the ruler is Mercury. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I would, you know, customarily Uranus in the fourth house is somebody that moved around a lot. And you know, I I did not move around as a as a youngster. I did not. I didn't leave my first home until I was after college. Uh huh. So your first, your childhood home from your birth until college was the same home. Was the same, although I did have a, somewhat of a different um, experience than my very um, Italian American neighborhood, where my father traveled with the airlines at a time when most dads just stayed at home. Right. I wonder if that that's was very time. Iranian. That's yeah, extremely that's... Iranian to have a father that mm-hmm. would come and go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily about your moving around a lot. It was the fact that one of your parents moved around a lot. Yes. And, and, and that now, did the actual neighborhood life. change over the course of those 20 years also? No. No. no not when I was, not as well I was there. Okay. And yeah. transiting Jupiter and um, these other planets in there, obviously Jupiter creates an expansion in the home in some way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the mundaneness of it is the sort of redecorating or moving into a new place or moving into some place, and you're not moving. I'm not, although I am re- remodeling, so to speak, a home that I used to live in and now is is a... Uh, uh, being ready for remodel being ready well that's what that's rental. a part of that's what that's, that's a part of part. because that's a that's then a part of also the um the the history of the homes that you lived in and the experience that happened there, so each mm. home that you were in builds on the next home mm. very interesting because the original home that I grew up in is also under construction being ready for remodel. How about that? Huh. But you don't own that? I do own it. You own the childhood home also? I do. Ah, yeah. Well, that fits. That fits then. Then that's not necessarily about the home that you're living in, but Jupiter moving through that is about these other... Because one of the the minor... um, uh meanings of the uh, the fourth house is um uh land holdings you know all land the holdings. property that we actually own yeah so, so my it's land not holdings just where we live are being it, remodeled and are being readied for rental and there's jupiter coming through and conjuncting uranus right and it should be good it should be good, yeah. you know, I mean, you should maybe be like, you know, expect the unexpected or get a fresh idea. I don't see uh-huh. it necessarily as negative. Um, right, right. No, I would, I would hope not, not with Jupiter. Yeah, get a fresh idea. Um, not necessarily like, oh, God, while you're remodeling, there's some unexpected negative thing. But more uh-huh. like uh, be flexible in the success of the remodeling. You know, recognize uh-huh. that you want to you you want to keep things um, you know newer in a way, I guess, or or at least uh, nouveau. <laughs> oh, it's good to hear you, Pat. Well, thank you, thank you. I uh, of course love the talk and noticed that I had Uranus there and thought it would be a good thing to call in and hear something about that. Yeah, very nice. I have the Moon in the fourth house. So, uh-huh. um, you know, but it's in Aquarius. So I have uh-huh. the whole Uranian nature of the experience as well. 
because my fourth house cusp is Uranus. So Uranus rules the fourth, and I also had the same kind of paternal, you know, didn't necessarily work nearby, was commuting all the time, didn't see him very often. Mm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's mainly what I was wanted to just chat about. Yeah, I think that the Mars going through there can be, you know, again, action in the home, but also could potentially be some kind of an aggressive energy in the home. Um, you have to look at the what house Mars rules uh, in your chart. What house is the cusp of Aries? Is that the 12th? First. No, well, no, um, it's, it's actually... It's, I have oh, it's, it's, it's right intercepted in the first? Right. Yes. Uh, yeah, so none. No real house. Uh-huh. No real house rulership. That's fine. Yeah, you go with Probably the first. Better. You go with the first. Right. Anyway, I'm going to just okay. wrap up and play my little song here at the end or something okay. like that. And listen, Thank it's been great. lovely to talk to you. I'm sorry I didn't see you Thank were on you. sooner. I was kind of just like <laughs> talking and looking at the chat room. Okay, that sounds great, though. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Have a great night. All right, bye now. Um, Always lovely to hear um, from someone in the chat room and have, you know, just a a pertinent conversation about what we're talking about in astrology. I'm going to play Nick Drake Road, and I'm Dr. Craig Martin. I'll talk to you next week on the Inside Connection. I can take a road that is in